This is episode 30 of One Page at a Time, what everyday reading looks like with Jansen Bradshaw. In this episode, we talk about how Jansen got her start with her website and book recommendations, what goes into the making of her recommendation lists, which are extensive and lots of fun, some of the other great resources she has, and some of her tips for making reading with kids a joy for everyone. Also, just a reminder that this is an interview that we recorded before COVID-19 interrupted all of our lives. So if we talk about the world the way it was before everything shut down, that is why. This is Jill in Virginia. And Amanda in Dubai. We are here to help you read more often. Read at home. Read at school. Read with your kids. Read with your spouse. Read aloud. Read faster. Just read. We dig through the data, gather the anecdotes, and chat with the experts who can tell you why and how you should make books a bigger part of your life. We're on this journey along with you, bringing people and reading together, one page at a time. Our guest this week is a woman who will become an invaluable resource in your family's reading journey if her website isn't already a staple in your life. A former children's librarian, she's insanely talented in so many areas of life and has been using her talents to capture the magic of childhood and enrich her own family and so many other families around the world. She has a line of delightful children's rain boots inspired by their family's time living in London. She bakes a mean chocolate chip cookie and what we are most excited to talk to her about today, she runs the website Everyday Reading where she declares that her goal is to help everyone find the book that helps them remember or discover for the first time that reading can be fun. We cannot wait to hear what she has to share with us. So welcome, Jansen Bradshaw. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. So we're just going to dive right in. And I want to ask you, could you share a little bit with us about your background and kind of how your website came to be? Sure. So I grew up in a serious reading family. My mom loves to read. My dad's actually a pretty big reader too, although not at the level that my mom is. And so my mom read aloud to us my entire growing up, I mean, through high school, which was just really fun. And so I had, and I've always just loved to read on my own. And then, you know, like many of us, I went to college and suddenly didn't have any time to read on my own. So when I graduated from college, I suddenly had all this time again. And I thought, I'm going to start reading again. So I remember I went to the library and I just wandered through all the stacks and I thought, I have no idea what to even read. You know, my mom wasn't there to just hand me a big stack of new books and I just had no idea what would be interesting or fun to read. So, you know, I sort of started stumbling through it on my own. And then my husband said, I think you should start a blog because I was reading a bunch of other blogs at the time. And I said, I don't want to start a blog. I don't have anything to say. He kind of just kept after me. So after a couple of months, I said, okay, I'll start a blog. But I'm only going to start a blog if I have a specific topic. I don't want to just be like, here's what we did this weekend. So I decided that I would write about these books that I was reading as I was trying to find good books to read with my spare time now. That was in 2006, and I've been writing it everyday reading ever since. And after about a year after I launched my blog, I went back to school and I got a master's degree in library and information studies with an emphasis in services and materials for children. And then I was an elementary school librarian until my first daughter was born. I love that you are a librarian, and I've been curious about how long were you a librarian for? I did an intern for one year. And then I was a head librarian at two elementary schools in the Boston area for one year. In Boston. That was my, that was my next question is where, <laughs> where you got to be a librarian at. What was it like in Boston with the library world? I, that's one place I haven't really explored libraries at. It was really fun. It was interesting because it was a school district with eight schools, eight elementary schools and four librarians. So each librarian had two schools in the district. And even though it wasn't a very big district, 
the difference between my two schools was so immense. You know, one of the schools was kind of richer, had a lot more money. It was a much bigger school, a lot more resources. The other one had a much different um, socioeconomic demographic. So that was really interesting, even though these schools were only about a mile and a half apart, to just see how different every school and every library is, even in the same town. It is really interesting. I hadn't thought about it in that way. And so did you kind of learn different lessons and different things in those two libraries and working with these two different group of kids? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot less budget at one school, and also that school had a much smaller library. It was probably about a third of the collection that the other library had. So I was, you know, more limited in the resources that I had to use with my students. So I ended up bringing in a lot more outside things like check out books from the public library to bring in to introduce them to authors that their library didn't have any of those books at all. And I didn't have the money to buy them with my school budget. So it was just really interesting. Yeah, I bet. And fabulous idea to combine the public library with the school library. I love that. That's interesting that you say that because my aide, actually, who had been there for like 20 years, she thought that was the worst idea ever. She's like, I don't think you should be showing them books that they can't check out here. And I said to her, I feel like it's a big disservice to them when they have this very tiny library that's very limited on resources to restrict them only to that and not give them access to all the other things that are out there you know, including at the public library just down the street that they have access to. Yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. Hopefully they would have access to those books, just not at the school library through the public library that hopefully was able to to kind of fill in those gaps. I agree with you. I think that's a idea. And speaking of resources, and we're going to kind of turn to your website, which you said you started, well, you started the blog way back in 2006. Yep. So I'm assuming you kind of, at first, were talking about the books that you were reading. Exactly. I mean, it was probably a year and a half till I even mentioned a picture book. Okay. And did you start with picture books before you had kids or did that kind of come naturally as you started having your kids? It started before I had kids when I was in grad school. You know, I took um, some picture book classes. So those were the books that I was talking about. You know, hey, these are four books that we talked about in one of my children's lit classes that I really liked. I also worked for a professor that was on the Notable Books Committee. So she, you know, she probably got 10 to 20 books a day from different publishers hoping for inclusion on this annual list. And my job was to open all those packages, sort through them, look at ones that you know, recommend ones to her that I thought would be worth reading and catalog them all. So that was really fun. And so I was suddenly just seeing picture books at a level I had certainly never seen before in my life, let alone as a person with no kids. Definitely. And that kind of gives us some good insight into how your website has the depth of knowledge and resources that it does have. And we both are big fans of your website. Oh, that's so nice of you. <laughs> I think I, I mentioned to you before, I knew a friend of yours when I was in grad school at library school. And so later on, when we were both married with kids, she told me about your website. And so that's how I kind of came across it, just from the fact that I have kids and I need to read through, read to them. One of our favorite things that you offer is your book recommendations. And so we gather book recommendations from a lot of different sources, but yours are always a big hit with our kids. So it's an incredible talent, I think, that you have to gather these book recommendations, but I know that it's more than just talent. So we're wondering, what does it take to find these books for your recommendation list? Oh, that's that's a fun question. You know, the good thing for me is that looking at book recommendations is basically like my favorite thing in the world to do. So I have a whole bunch of sources that I look at. I actually have a blog post. I don't know if you guys can link to those in your podcast notes, 
but the places that I look at for recommendations. So I always look at like Amazon's best books of the month, editor picks. I look at Junior Library Guild. I look at the Horn Book. I look at things that have gotten starred reviews in Kirkus or, you know, School Library Journal, any of those. My library lets me sort books that are tagged as new picture books. I don't know that every library catalogs like that, but mine does so I can look at what's coming new and I'll check those out. But then I feel like basically I just want to recommend the things that I really love. So I check out hundreds of books that I never talk about because I'm like, well, somebody at Amazon liked this, but this is not a book that I'm excited about. Which I feel the same way. And I feel like I was looking at my collection of library books that we have checked out right now. And for whatever reason, we kind of just have a group of duds. We've got about 50 (laughs) of them checked out right now. And I wanted to put something on our Instagram and I was sorting through them. And I was just like, there's not really anything that is standing out to me. And so I definitely can understand how that, but I don't think maybe everybody does to realize how many books you go through to narrow it down to the ones that you do share and you do recommend. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's other book bloggers and Instagrammers that I follow that I really respect and admire that their taste is very different from mine. And so, you know, I feel like if you follow me and like the books that I recommend, probably you have very similar taste to mine. And if you don't, that that doesn't hurt my feelings either because there's a lot of people who have very different tastes than mine. There are. And that's the great thing about books is that like you say on your website, there are books for everybody. You just need to find the ones that are for you. There really are. And there's never better conversations on my blog or Instagram than when I say, what book does everybody love that you can't stand? And it's just so fun to see. And, you know, sometimes they're mentioning books that I love. And other times they're mentioning books. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't. That was not for me either. So you talk about your favorite books and and those are the ones that you share. So do you have a sense of what makes a book your favorite? What are some of the elements that that you love in books? It's a very subjective question. (laughs) I realize that, but we're just curious. Yeah. So if it's a um, like adult novel or young adult, you know, like a chapter book or above rather than a picture book, I really like snappy writing. Almost always when somebody is like, oh, the writing is so beautiful in this. I'm like, that's probably not a book I'm going to love. I don't love really flowery, really extra descriptive things. That's not my taste. I love funny. So anything that has kind of a little bit of a sense of humor really does it for me. And I love a good love story. You know, you were mentioning how many books I sort through. I think the more you read, the better you become at seeing what you like, even if you can't necessarily articulate it, it's easier to pick good books. You know, I I just got a question last week that somebody said, how do you filter for content? You know, I feel like I pick so many books up and then halfway through I have to give it up because there's, you know, too much sex or swearing or whatever that is. And it was interesting to respond to a question, but I don't think about that that often because I've looked at so many books now. I can usually guess by the reviews or by the title or cover or the first two pages how that book is going to go. I don't feel like I'm often caught off guard by that kind of thing anymore, just because I read a lot of books and I look at a lot of books. And the more you read and the more you look at, the more you're going to say, this is probably going to be one I like. This is probably one I'm going to not. So if you're just starting reading a book, sorry, I feel like I'm going off on this wild tangent here. I'm just going to finish up. I feel like when people say, you know, I can't find any good books to read. I haven't read anything good, you know, since I, I used to read a lot. Now I can't find anything good. I think At the beginning, there is just a lot of trial and error as you figure out what you like. You've never been an adult reader before if you haven't read any books since, you know, high school. And so you just have to practice for a while. And that's going to mean more duds generally at the beginning. I agree. I think that your process and especially the resources that you mentioned are going to be very helpful to those people that you talked about who are just getting into it or who are trying to help their kids get into it. And so you mentioned the post you have on your website that you wrote about this. And so definitely send it to us and we can 
we can put that link in the show notes so that people can and go and find that and, and use it as they are trying to do these similar things and figure out what they like in books like you're talking about. So on your website, you have plenty of these recommendation lists, right? Is Do you know of any that are like your most popular ones? Do you have any way of tracking that? Or have you heard feedback about these lists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of a data nerd. I don't think you can go do a master's in library information studies without catching a little bit of that data geek. And so I look at my analytics all the time. By far, my number one most popular book list is books to read aloud to preschoolers, like between preschoolers and kindergartners, like that three, four, five first chapter book experience where you're reading aloud to them. That is far and away the most popular. But then my second, probably the second most popular is book club recommendations, books for book clubs to read. I have like a list of 29 or 30 that are on there. That one is also extremely popular. And then I also have a list of picture books to read aloud in the classroom because that was a question I was just getting all the time. People saying like, I'm going in to read to my first graders class. I need a picture book that's really fun and good for a group. You know, like I love a wordless picture book. That's not what I'm going to pick to read to a group of 30 kids. And so that that list is probably uh, the third one. And then I would say the fourth most popular list is I have a list of elementary school series, which is if you have a voracious reader, a series is just like gold because, you know, they read the first one. They're like, now here's the next 25. Or actually, even if you have a reluctant reader, it's also really good because you can read the first one together. And then that kind of gets them over the hump of knowing the setting and the characters. It's much easier to get into a second book in a series than it is just a brand new standalone book. It's so true. I sometimes bemoan how many books these days, the new ones that are coming out are parts of series (laughs) and they end in cliffhangers and I just want a good, you know, one-off book. But at the same time, I totally recognize the good in series. And I myself have many favorite series. And so I definitely agree and see that. So do you do you update these recommendation lists? Because there's new books coming out all the time, like I was just talking about. But Or do you would you prefer to just start a whole new list and keep the list that you've already released as is? Um, it's a combination. Some I have not gone back and updated. Some of them I have. I usually don't update them very often. Like I'll usually wait till it's maybe maybe two or three or four years old before I go back and update it in part because I'm I have email lists for each of them where you can just get it'll just email you a, the list of the books on that list plus pictures of all the covers so it's kind of a big process to update it's not just adding a couple of titles so I usually wait until I'm like okay I can add another five or ten books to this list before I'll go back and update it okay but you have the sheer amount on there means <laughs> that there are plenty plenty of material for people who are looking and speaking of that sheer amount the resources you have are so wonderful and you have so many of them but for somebody who's discovering your website for the first time they might not know where to start with all this information so for those people, where would you recommend them starting when they come to your site to use what you have? So I have a, it'll usually pop up if you're a new visitor. Um, I have a free course called Raising Readers that's by email. So it'll just send you an email every day for five days, kind of with book recommendations, ideas for reading with your kids, how to make reading fun, how to find new books. That's a really good place to start that kind of gives you some of the most valuable things that I offer on everyday reading. And then after that, I'll send you an email every Tuesday and Friday after that with kind of new things that have come up and in an order that makes sense so that you're not just like, oh, I'm getting Christmas lists in April or or I have not had the foundation to kind of figure out how to use these book lists. So that would be the number one way I would recommend people kind of enter. That is an incredibly organized and wonderful <laughs> way to point people to your website. I love that. And that's not something that I've heard about or seen very much. And so I applaud you. Did you come up with that idea? Uh, no, uh, someone who does email specifically 
kind of walked me through how to set that up. And so, you know, he said, come up with your most five valuable things. Like if someone was just basically exactly what you asked, if somebody was just finding your website, what five posts would you want them to read? Let's put that together in a way that they can easily get without clicking around 10,000 times. I wish I was that smart. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, in so many ways. But we have our other talents. That's right. Like coming up with fantastic book recommendations, (laughs) which I definitely think is one of your amazing talents. But Speaking of those book recommendations, so I use your lists a lot and I have a few other sources that I use as well to find books for my kids, but I'm getting to this stage with them. I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. So I'm getting to the stage with them where they are very opinionated about what they want to read. Yep. And so I am finding that they are less and less interested in the books that I choose. Um, So I'm curious if that's something that you've encountered with your kids. I'm assuming my kids are not unique in this way. And if you have any thoughts on what we as parents can do in that situation, and you know, I would love to still be able to kind of influence and help them choose, but at the same time, I want them to be interested in enjoying the books. Yeah. So um, you are not alone. This is uh, very common. A couple of things that I recommend is one, that you let them quit any book they're not liking. I feel like a lot of parents are very hesitant about that. They feel like that's teaching my kid to be a quitter. But what it really teaches your kid is that if they start a book, you're never going to let them give it up. And so it's just really dangerous to start any new book. It's better just to push back and not start at all. Because once once you've cracked that cover, you're committed for 150 or 200 pages. And you know, just like we were talking about adults, you're learning to be an adult reader for the first time. Kids are learning to be readers too. And that just includes a lot of exploring of what they like and what they don't like. You know, it's kind of like if you gave them a plate of Brussels sprouts and you were like, try this. And then once they tried one bite, you're like, great, now you have to eat 500 Brussels sprouts. They'd be like, well, I'm never trying anything again. You know, that's really risky. So, you know, I think let them quit books that are not working for them. You know, maybe not one page in, but after chapter two, they're like, this book is just not for me. I don't care about the characters or it's boring or it's too long or whatever. Then trust their taste and let them bail on it. Also, some books are just not right at the right time. I read A Wrinkle in Time one year and I loved it. It was so fantastic. I just thought this is the best book ever. And then I reread it two years later for a class. And for whatever reason, it drugged so much for me. I was just, I had loved it before. And then the second time was just not for me. So sometimes just the timing is not right. So just because they don't like it now doesn't mean they'll never like it. Another thing is I think a lot of the time it's that talked about series being really popular. One reason series are really popular is because once you're into that first one, it's much easier to pick up that second one. So if you can help your child have that experience with a book, if you'll read them aloud the first chapter or listen to it as an audiobook in the car together, kind of get them over that hump. Or even if you just kind of give them a pretty decent overview, like here are the main characters, here's what's going to happen. That is really helpful to get them over that initial hump of, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who any of these people are. I'm having a hard time keeping track of this new land or the rules of magic here. If you can kind of hold their hand through that, that makes a huge difference. And then I think also there's just a lot of resources out there to find books. If your child likes a genre of books that maybe is not your cup of tea or was not even really around. You know, for instance, I didn't read a single graphic novel when I was growing up. I mean, they really were not around in the 80s like they are now. I mean, it was, uh, comic books was about as close as you could get to that. So if that's not something you're familiar with, there's a lot of resources out there to help you find good books on that topic. For instance, Junior Library Guild has a whole graphic novel section. So you can just look up the ones that are there and try some of those out if you have no idea where to start or if your kid loves science fiction and you're like, that is not my genre at all. You know, ask your librarian or if your child has a friend that reads a lot of those kind of books, ask their parent, like, 
what other books would you recommend if my kid was really into X, Y, or Z? I second the librarian. <laughs> we have utilized our librarian because I'm a former librarian. And so as I started having my kids, I was like, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. And now as they're getting older, my oldest is into nonfiction books about aircraft carriers. And I don't know anything <laughs> about nonfiction books about aircraft carriers. And so it has really surprised me how much I do use those librarians, even having a lot of those skills myself. Totally. And I mean, if you're not working as a full-time librarian, it's hard to keep up on. I mean, there are just so many books being published now. I mean, just at this incredible rate. So it's hard to expect anyone just as a hobby to keep up on all the books that are now available. It is, which is why we have wonderful resources like your website and all these other lists and libraries that that's what they get paid to do. And it's fantastic and we need to utilize them. Yep. So speaking of these nice former librarians that we've got going on in this interview, I <laughs> As a former librarian and now a mother who's helping her kids trying to develop their reading taste, do you have any advice for anyone who might be struggling to find the right books for their kids in their life, whether, you know, the kids just aren't interested in anything or if they just aren't, if they're having a hard time, that parent-child friction? which I'm sure you know nothing about. <laughs> no, not perfect. zero. My children are completely 100% perfect and we've never had any issues. I feel like, you know, this is a little different if you're a homeschool parent, but generally if your kids are going to public school, your job is not to be like the tester. You know, I get a lot of questions like, how do I test my child's reading comprehension? Or do you have suggestions about worksheets to use to have them fill out about the books they read? And I feel like as a parent, that is not my job. My job is to make reading fun and to make it something they enjoy. I mean, I love to read a lot, a lot, a lot. And I don't want to fill out a bunch of forms about it after I've finished reading. I mean, that kind of takes the fun out of it. And at school, that's just going to be part of the game for most of your reading experiences there. And so I think at home as a parent, your job is to make reading something that's enjoyable, whether that's I made cookies and let's snuggle up on the couch and I'll read aloud to you, or we're going to listen to something really fun together in the car while we're on this road trip, or I'm going to let you stay up late with me and you can read aloud to me. That, you know, my one of my children has had a harder time learning to read than some of my others. And that was really effective for her because she's a night owl and hates to go to bed that she did not ever want to practice reading. But she would practice reading if it meant she got to stay up later than all her sisters and not go to bed. You know, so you can kind of figure out what what can help make this fun. And I also think uh, two things. One, I think parents are anxious to push the books that they loved on their kids often too early. Harry Potter is the one I hear about the most. And I'm a giant Harry Potter fan, so I totally understand. But, you know, there's no gold stars for reading Harry Potter when you're four. And it's just almost always going to be a lot better if you can wait until they're really ready for it and enjoying it. I mean, Harry Potter is a, a pretty fast book with a lot of characters going on, a lot of magical things going on that's hard to keep track of for most five-year-olds. You know, if you wait till they're seven or eight, it's going to be a much better experience. And I think that's the same with lots of other books that just because you're excited about, they may not actually be ready for it. And it's going to just make it hard for everybody because they feel like this is hard. I'm not excited about this. And you're bugged because they're not excited about it either. I think also just keeping it low pressure. Like if they're like, you know, I'm just not really enjoying this book. Just give it up. Say, okay, we'll come back to it later. You know, this is this is not school. This is not a test. This is to be fun. This is to spend great time together. This is to have to enjoy really fun books. If you can't find the books that they like themselves, you know, let them pick out a book that they think that they might like and read it aloud with them. I think it's easy if your taste is different. Like that book is stupid. That book is too easy. I get a lot of messages about graphic novels. Like it's not real reading. I think it's very easy to turn your kid off to reading with your own attitude or to feel like 
the way that you read is the right way to read. And if they're not falling in line, then you're going to push them into line. And I think that really just for most kids is going to make them feel like, well, then reading is not for me. That's mom's thing or that's dad's thing. And, or that's something I have to do for school, but I'm never going to pick it for fun. Those are wonderful thoughts. And I really, especially like what you said about kind of tailoring it to each child, like the child who likes to stay up late and thinking about what speaks to your child and how to fit it into that. I, I really like that and hadn't really thought about that. Oh, thank you. Before we before we close out, I want to see, Amanda, is there anything that you wanted to, to ask? Oh, Jansen, there are so many things in here, but is there anything that you feel like we've missed? Uh, one thing that hasn't come up that I love to talk about about books is audiobooks, which I think are such a great underutilized tool for parents and kids. You know, as a parent, you just don't have time to read every book you ever want to read to your kid. And I think that's fine. It's fun for them to discover some of those books as an adult or on their own timeline. But audiobooks are a great way to share more books with your kids, whether you're, for our family, it's been really fun to listen together in the car, which I started doing mainly just to keep the whining at bay. But now is really fun where we have these books that we've shared together and all of my kids, even my little ones, are really engaged in and talk about. Or, you know, ones that I feel like, oh, I want to listen to it with a full cast audio or a really great narrator. It's also really, you know, I believe so much in quiet time. My girls do two hours of quiet time every afternoon while my littlest naps and they listen to audiobooks like crazy on there. It's really a great way to help your kids develop a better vocabulary, understand even before they can read on their own, how stories work, you know, how character development and plot structure works and can really help. I've noticed that with my daughter that I said I had a harder time learning to read. Once she really figured out the mechanics of reading, she became a really good reader because she had such a big vocabulary from listening to so many audiobooks over the years. And I just noticed she was very quick to understand when a sentence that she had read aloud was not right because she knew what a sentence should sound like in a way that I don't think she would have without audiobooks. And for reluctant readers, I think they're so great. Like if, if the physical act of reading is difficult for you, it can make books and reading not fun at all. And audiobooks give those kids a chance to have positive experiences with books, to feel like readers, to read the things that their peers are reading or their older siblings are reading, even if they can't yet do it on their own. And it, it can be a really good bridge to help go between that reading is hard and tough. And I love to read when those skills aren't there yet on their own. Wow, that's incredible. I feel like we could do an entire separate episode about <laughs> audiobooks. Well, that was my question. So thank you. And I, you know, I did not appreciate audiobooks until I had kids. It's not my personal favorite way to listen to books. So I didn't really think of them as a tool that I would use in my life. But since having kids, oh my goodness, we listen to so many. And so I think for anybody who has not discovered the magic of audiobooks, especially with kids, is just in for a treat. And I think for kids, you know, I, I hear a lot of adults who are like, I don't really like audiobooks. But for kids, I think it's a much easier jump because they're used to being read to all the time. So it do, it's not such, I mean, when was the last time as an adult that someone read to you besides an audiobook? It just doesn't happen very much as an adult. So it's a, it's a bigger jump to make. For a kid, it's almost not a jump at all. I mean, it's basically just like what happens to them two or three times a day. That's a good point. It really is. And it makes complete sense. Well, Jensen, we are so grateful that you took some time out of your day today to come and chat with us and share all of this wonderful, wonderful information and we're so excited for everybody else to hear it. Oh, well, thank you so much.
everyday reading, Jansen's website has become a gold standard in the world of reading and book recommendations. And we are so glad we were able to talk with her. If you aren't following Jansen, we cannot recommend her enough. This conversation that we had with her opens up a lot of Pandora's boxes. Her website is extensive in breadth and scope, including some of our favorite printables. Yes. <laughs> she has her 2020 reading log. This is the reading log that is the only way I have managed to stay on track of what I've read. I may actually make it to 100 books this year. That's huge. It's huge. So big. She's got just so many resources on that website. (laughs) She really does. And like I said in the interview, I've been using Jansen's website for several years now, and I have her and her recommendations to thank for several of the books my kids love reading and listening to over and over and over (laughs) again. Um, I thought it was really interesting when she pointed out that there will be book recommenders. That's not a word, but I'm making it a word. There's going to be book recommenders out there who do not share your taste in books, and that's okay. Since I use and love so many of the books that Jansen recommends, I think it would make sense that we probably have similar taste in books, or at least kid books, since that's really what I use her site for. It will be interesting as my kids get older to see where I have to expand my resources for finding books, since their taste in books are going to keep changing and developing as they get older. And I'm going to have to kind of keep pace with them. And I can definitely see myself needing to expand for my oldest who loves nonfiction books and sort of more real world type settings and books. And so I'm going to have to find resources that can help me find good quality books for him for that. So that was a really good part of the conversation that I hadn't really thought of like that before. Yeah. And you know, as I, I feel like we're all waiting for the next shoe to drop <laughs> as far as our kid, you know, is going to like broccoli one day and not like broccoli. Then oh, maybe broccoli was a bad example, but our kid is going to like one type of book one day and then wake up the next day and be, think that that's just the worst book ever. So I feel like Jansen has so many different recommendations at this point on her site. And she does refresh them as we talked about a little bit and update them. She just, she's on top of it. She's on top of everything that is coming out. She's such a great resource. So I feel like as our families change, grow, get older, you know, Jansen, Jansen and everyday reading will be there. (laughs) And her background was new to me. I'm glad that I got to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit to find out how she is able to review books so well because she really does have a talent for it. And she's been actively looking through hundreds and thousands of books. That is more than what I can say for myself. (laughs) I've gotten a small taste of picture book digging for this podcast. It's totally addicting. It's a lot of fun, but I just don't have the time to put in, you know, the thousands of hours that she's already got behind her. So her willingness to dig deep and share it with everyone for years now, is a huge gift to all of us. And she's now in a rather unique position to have real data, quantitative and qualitative, whatever rocks your boat, to look at from her website, from her interactions through the years, have really great ideas like, how to make reading fun. <laughs> I often think of Jansen now as I encourage my kids to read, especially for quiet time. What an inspiration you are, Jansen. 
for a quiet time. That is so big. <laughs> but I'm constantly thinking, you know, what would Jansen do? W- no. <laughs> I also loved, and I was actually kind of comforted by Jansen's thoughts on how to go about the subject of books with kids who are resisting them for whatever reason, whether it's clashing over what types of book they read or when when they read, or how much they read, or whether they read at all. Um, with kids on the younger end, I'm still pretty early in my journey of reading with kids, so I'm bracing myself for whatever is coming in the future. I tend to worry too far in advance about things like that, like what kind of struggles are we going to have when they're teenagers? So this is really very timely advice for me to just sort of calm down, and it'll all work out. And I share her philosophy that as parents whose kids are in school, we are here to show our kids the enjoyment they can get out of books and reading. And keeping that in mind when I clash with one of our kids is definitely going to help me navigate those moments better than I have in the past. Oh, I love that too. She is so calm about something that would just tear my heart in two. But really, she's right, of course. And I have to keep reminding myself that reading needs to be fun for me too. I myself need to be able to find it enjoyable and easy enough to do because I know it's critical for me and my family and the future that I want us to have. So the potential opportunity cost here is a huge factor for me. If my priority is that we all read, I have to think back to what would you do and make it fun for everyone. I guess it includes knowing our book love languages. I made that up, but it's a thing. I'm, it's totally now. For example, I'm an audiobook and a paper book kind of girl. My kids are a mix of all mediums, while my husband is an e-reader who dabbles in audiobooks when I absolutely insist. And P.S. If you haven't read Quiet by Susan Cain, he now also approves of that one. So for the tough readers out there. Anyway, I could talk for a very long time about everything that I appreciate about the work Jansen does. It's just phenomenal. And again, if you're not following her. Exactly. And if you can not tell, we are huge Jansen fans over here. Be sure and take a look at her website if you aren't familiar with it or her Instagram, Everyday Reading. And speaking of Instagram, remember that we are on there too. So please take a look at one underscore page underscore podcast and follow along with us as we continue bringing together as many resources, ideas, and books as we can. We have really enjoyed sharing this amazing interview and this amazing resource of everyday reading with you. And we will talk to you soon. 